appointment, and the phone rang, and I, I didn't answer it until later and got the, the voicemail, and the first words were, Gordy, Gordy he always, uh, Michael Collins always calls me like this, he's Gordy Lagore, this is Michael Collins, praise the Lord. <laughs> this time there was no praise the Lord, so I knew there was a problem. The first words were, Gordy Lagore, this is Michael Collins, I'm an idiot. <laughs> then I knew we had a real problem. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> apparently uh, the Salvation Army has quite a um, chain of command, and it's quite like an army, right? And Michael had not let his commanding officer know that he was going to be here, and apparently he's away a lot over the next few weeks, and... His commanding officer said, we just can't do this, and asked him to be with them and their parish today. The good news was, and I think it might have been a bit of a guilt offering, but they cut our rent almost in half for this month. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, no bull, but uh, a guilt offering. Yeah. So you got me, that's right. So we believe that the Lord knows, and He's in charge, and um, so we're gonna we're gonna continue on our series on evangelism. Uh, if you're just joining us, a couple of things. First of all, uh, I noticed the Chu family was back partly today. Uh, they had a big explosion a couple of weeks ago with the arrival of Samantha, and uh, she is just an amazing little bundle. I got to hold her, and I was glowing for about 48 hours after that. Uh, amazing the impact that has on you. And uh, uh, they haven't been back since she arrived. Well, today, Steve, Annika, and Sarah uh, kind of filed in. <laughs> no, no, uh, no Samantha yet and no Karen. I guess they, Karen had planned on coming last night, but from 2 till 6 this morning, Samantha had other plans. So uh, that's why they're not here. So uh, we're glad to see some of them and continue to look forward to seeing and meeting Samantha in a Sunday near you soon. Um, also, big welcome to Ed and Pam Schultz from uh, Kelowna, right? And you, you probably don't know them except that we've had Ed's name on our prayer list. Uh, his daughter, Taryn, is very much a part of the Nelson Vineyard uh, Church and uh, I got to know them through Taryn. But um, at almost what Christmas time this year, um, Ed was feeling a little bit fluish and not quite normal. But long story short, found out that he had quite a severe case of leukemia, and and so he's been in in Vancouver getting treatment. And we've been praying for him, and Pam's been with him, and I've been up to see him a few times, and obviously on outpatient basis today. So, big welcome to you guys. <laughs> and we, we will continue to pray for a complete, complete victory. And I just even believe in the presence of God today as we worship that, that the Lord is touching you and, and ministering to you. Well, anybody got any, before I start, any evangelism stories from the last uh, few weeks? Just anybody have a God thing happen you want to share quickly? Kathleen Lagore. This is Kathleen Lagore. Welcome, Kathleen. 
Um, uh, some of you knew that Gordy and I were involved with um, youth because our kids were teens and we had a lot of crazy young people in our house and, par and neighbors were a little bit concerned because they would arrive with screeching tires, very loud music and uh, many clouds of smoke known as weed smoke. <laughs> but anyway, we, one of the kids that came, she was a beautiful Caribbean girl and I uh, haven't seen her for a very long time. Just this last week, just was walking down Hastings praying and saw her, looked in, uh, into the pizza place, pizza slice place, and she's sitting there. And I knew her as um, Geraldine. Geraldine, but she, she's now known, wants to be known as Christine. So something's transpired since that time. But she was a beautiful uh, kid that met some of our young people, and she was sitting there with her four-and-a-half-year-old son who goes to St. David's Preschool. So I just was waving at her. I just went in and had a beautiful time of catching up. It's been many, many years uh, since she was in high school, probably, what, 10? Something like that. She told me that she just loves this area so much that even if... Um, they had money, they, it would just never move away. She said she'd rather rent and stay here. So we had this m amazing connection. And I was just, just Dawson, I was just so like wanting to talk about Jesus so much. And I said, well, I got to pray again. I'm going to bump into her again. But I know that she goes, she uh, takes her kid to St. David's, which is right behind, you know, where St. David's is. It's right behind where London Drugs is. And so, you know, I know where I can find her again. So anyway, I was very excited. The Lord gave me that opportunity. She has been originally in our home before and knew a lot of young people, including our daughter. All right, thank you. How many have, have remembered to do your assignment to be watching what the Father is doing and people around? Anybody? Good, good, good. You know, I, I, I have two. Uh, not all the time. How many know sometimes you forget? How many know you just get preoccupied? That's okay. It's, it's kind of like exercise, you know, where, or accordion scale lessons, right? Where it feels awkward at first. Maybe. Oops. Sorry. Sorry, people. And, and you know, you're, you're getting used to it. And um, I, I would just say keep, keep working at it. Just keep. Uh, it's a discipline. Uh, it's a command. Evangelism is not optional. It's, it's not like, oh, this is, this is a little option. I remember Bill Gothard, remember he used to have a thing in his, comp, in his seminars called non-optional principles. <laughs> you know what a non-optional principle is? It's a command. <laughs> it was just a nice way of saying, we're commanded to good news, to good, be good newsing. And every generation of Christians uh, will be pressured not to. There's, you know, the the pressure to be politically correct, or you don't talk about your faith in the public square or, or whatever, right? Now, I believe in being socially appropriate. I believe in, being, uh, 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 to, in having manners. But if, if Jesus is the most important thing in my life, and I never talk about him, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I remember when I went to UBC to work, uh, Kathleen and I, uh, and our kids moved into East Van in 1991, and, and I, God just said, I want you to shut down uh, pastoring for a while, and I want you to live in the city and just live on the other side of the pulpit for a while. And I was about 30, 
35 years old, 34 years old at the time. And all we could afford in this city and at that time was uh, a little two-bedroom apartment. We had about $3,000 to our name when we arrived. And we put $600 down on this two-bedroom apartment. Christian went in one room. Dee went in the other room. Kathleen and I slept in the living room and made it a... We had a hide-a-bed and we'd make a bedroom at night. And we said, kids, good night. We said, good night. Right? Then Gordy Gibaugh showed up and he, he, uh, he stayed in... We had a little walk-in closet that, uh, that he slept in. It was kind of a wall-to-wall mattress, wasn't it? And... Gordy said that's where he learned to be a closet Christian. <laughs> and uh, so we were pretty comfy in there, eh, for a while. And, uh, and I, got, I landed this job at UBC. And by the way, we had to say to Gordy, it's bedtime, Gordy. Good night, Gordy. <laughs> and uh, we had to tell him not to read the secret diary, sacred diary of Adrian Plass at night because every few minutes he'd burst out laughing and we couldn't get to sleep, so... But I remember getting this job at UBC and saying to God, I covenant, I am not going to preach. I'm going to go to this, and I'm going to, and it was kind of in the wake of all these ev- televangelist scandals, you know, that had happened in the late 80s, and, and, and it was a kind of time when there was a lot of reaction to institutionalized Christianity, um, and reaction to evangelical Christianity, particularly, the charismatic version. And I remember going into that apartment, that department, and it was the Department of Mining and Mineral Process Engineering, a closed shop union job, complete miracle that I even got in there. All these crusty old mining engineers, well, they weren't all old, but crusty. And, um, and it, was, it, was, it was just a fun five years. Just, just an amazing five years. And it's amazing how you can say to God, I'm not going to talk about my faith, you know, and go into a situation. It's almost like reverse psychology. Uh, I watched over the next five years that little department, that crusty old department, full of tough old mining engineers, and God turned it into a little church. It, it, was, it was amazing. I had uh, my workmate in the, in the administrative office by the end, every time I walk in, she says, oh, the healer has arrived. And I had prayed with her a couple of times for, for physical problems. And she hadn't seen this instantaneous miracle, but she'd seen over time that, that her, 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 she had a finger, uh, damaged her fingers that, that got better. And, and uh, so she, would, she, she was my, my champion. She would say, oh, the healer's here. And... and uh, uh, tough professors just sobbing in front of me as I prayed for them for family members that were going through cancer. And, and there were actually grad students that came to the Lord, not there, but later called me up and said, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. And, and, uh, and it was, it, I look back after, I remember the last day I worked there, five years, uh, the vineyard wanted to bring me on full time. And so I had to finally, at, I was at 50% time at that point. I literally wept. I stood in that office alone. It was late at night. I was cleaning up, cleaning my stuff out. And I wept and I wept and I wept. It had been five years of Jesus showing me that no matter where I was, I would always be a pastor. I didn't have to have a position. I didn't have to have a title. That, that you are who you are no matter where you are. 
You're an ambassador, as Dawson said last week. And you can't, you, you, you can't hide that. And so we are about being good news. And it's not about some ought to. We've been talking about, I guess if there's a sermonic sentence to, to summarize what we've said so far, is that if we truly understand the good news, we'll share it. If we truly get it, if, if we have gotten the good news, if we're living the good news, we will share it. This is not a matter of ayatus. Does Steve have to tell people that he just had a baby girl? Do I have to tell you, you know, does somebody have to tell me that I should tell you that I got another grandchild arriving in May? May, I feel Pentecostal. May, another grandchild. Do I have to, does somebody say, you know, you should be telling people your, your, your grandchildren are moving back to Canada. Right? That's what, this is way more, this is way deeper, this is more, way more incredible. Hard to believe, but it is. It is. It's unbelievable. So, getting, living, giving the good news. Getting, living, giving the new good news. Let's all say that together. Getting, living, Giving the good news. You know, I'm, I'm walking through my neighborhood this morning, and I always walk by this, this, uh, this old Italian guy across the street, and we always wave at each other. I think we've talked maybe once or twice in the last ten years. We always wave, though, because we're almost always out at the same time. Today I'm eating a banana, and part of that is because I have a blood sugar problem that seems, I get dizzy when I start to walk or run, so I, it just settles me down, and, and uh, uh, for some reason, the banana got his attention. How many know God just uses anything? God used the banana. But he, he wanted to talk to me. And I won't tell you the whole story, but in five minutes, I had a profound connection with this man. He's 86 years old. I got to talk about Jesus very briefly. And it reminded me, you know, I work out sometimes at Templeton Pool, and you know there's some of these other guys working out there, and one day I, I hear that this one guy isn't coming anymore, and I go, they, I say, well, what happened? And he died. The other day I got a, a leaflet in my post box, and it, it was a lady that lives about five blocks down, or five houses down from me. And we've got a lot of rapport in our neighborhood, a lot of relational equity. We've had block parties. We know people. There's, a, there's an ease. We've had people in our home. So there, there is that. But this lady, I didn't know that well. I may, maybe met her at the block party, but she took her life. So we have to be, as Kathleen said, we have to be alert. We've got to be alert all the time. It's not, this is life and death. Yeah, many, many of you have seen the flowers on commercial or on Victoria and Gravely. All those flowers. That was his wife. He's 86 years old. I don't know one day when I'll be walking and he won't be walking anymore. He's from Venice. Yeah, talk to him about Como Lake. And just, just people, it's, it's, it's about, you see, God is the evangelist. God is constantly, Jesus said, working. The Father is constantly. You remember that story where it says Jesus had to go through Samaria? He had to go through Samaria. Well, why did he have to go through Samaria? The Jews usually didn't. There's too much hassle. They get hassled by the Samaritans. The Samaritans were unclean. 
So they'd walk around, but it says Jesus had to go. And that's all it says. So he just did what he saw the Father doing. And then he bumps into this woman at the well and asks her for a drink of water because he doesn't have a pitcher. He doesn't have a container. And out of that comes an, a life-saving conversation. Number one, he was intentional about, Father, what are you doing? And number two, he was flexible. You see, this morning when that man called me, I was late already. I just, for a number of reasons, I was behind schedule. And it would have been so easy for me to say, I, I gotta go. You ever do that? I gotta go. Philip Yancey points out that Jesus' greatest miracles happened when he was late. I tell you, we got the anointing, folks. Our church has the anointing. Woo! Okay, take that with a bit of a grain, okay? It's going to drive me crazy. All right? But, but it says he, he, he postponed his plans for a couple of days, didn't he? And, and, and the disciples said to him, Jesus, have you had anything to eat? He says, oh, I've already eaten. And they said, what, somebody bring you a Big Mac? What, how, how come you're eating? He said, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. My food is to, is to do the will of God. To do what God's doing. To work with Him. You want to talk about a meal? You want to talk about feeling like you've had a you know, a seven-course sirloin steak dinner is to have a God encounter and to feel God's heart for a lost person. You see, you know why we do evangelism? It's not, it's not so much for them, it's for us. We, you know, when Peter was, had that sheet let down from heaven and, 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 and God dealt with him about the Gentiles and he went to minister to Cornelius, who was changed more by that? Was Cornelius changed or was it Peter? The gospel shook Peter. The gospel got a hold of Peter in a fresh new way. Because he was obedient to be good news. He was a good newser to, to, to the Gentiles. And you will be changed. When I there isn't a time, Gordy, when I have a conversation at Chili Wagon with these guys that I don't, I don't feel changed. Something is altered in me. My perspective, my eyes are opened. I, I learn some things. And, and uh, so it's as much for you as it is for, for them. Maybe more so. Right? Maybe more so. Hmm? Donna wants to preach. <laughs> soon. Soon, Donna. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you keep me balanced. I'll, I'll get out of balance. That's right. That's why, that's why you're here. <laughs> All right. Now, the good news is that God is relentlessly uh, pursuing us. Now, remember, we're, 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 we're talking about, we've oversimplified as evangelicals the good news. And we, we say, well, it's, it's Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins so you can ha go, have eternal life, but you can live like hell in the meantime. Yeah. Right? And, and we oversimplified, and we talked about how the good news is really the story of Jesus in the context of Israel and, and the interpret, interpreted by the writers of the New Testament. It's the story of Jesus. So that's why Jesus would, would have encounters with people, and, and every time was different. Every time. 
You know, for Zacchaeus, it was a dinner time. For the, for the um, penitent tax collector, he was striking his chest saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Don't you love that story? She, she can't get cured for 12 years. She can't get cured of this, this issue of blood. And one day she gets faith that if she'll just touch the, the, the bottom of Jesus' garment, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she presses through, even though she was Jewish in a Jewish way, ceremonially unclean. If you read the Levit- Levitical law, she was breaking the ceremonial laws, but she risked it all to touch Jesus in anonymity, like some of you have walked in today. If I can just sneak in, get a little taste, and get out before anybody talks to me. Woo! Right? And that's what she did. She came and she touched him, and Jesus is... He's, he's in a rush. He's got a deadline again, remember? He's late. Jairus' daughter is dying. He's late. You ever feel that way? Torn? Everybody wants a piece of you? You, you never felt that way? Welcome to the, the new millennium, right? You're all looking at me shell-shocked, right? And, and, and torn, torn by interest, torn by priorities, torn by expectations, by by conflicting expectations that people have on him. And he stops. Why did he stop? He stopped because the Father stopped. The Father stopped. And the Father says, yeah, there's a very important daughter in this community that everybody knows, the notorious Jairus' daughter. She's the, the one that everybody wants to get better because this guy's a bigwig in the town. But the father said, I got a daughter. I got a daughter. That means is just as important to me because everybody matters to God. Everybody matters. To God, you matter no less than anyone else. You matter. And Jesus stops and he turns to her and he says, Who touched me? Right? The crowd's pressing in on him. We've sometimes dramatized this. We one time had everybody pushing in on, and on, 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 on the Jesus who was starring. And, and, uh, And all of a sudden he stops and says, who touched me? And they complain. Lord, everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? He says, I just felt virtue come out of me. I just felt power come out of me. And the woman trembling, she knew that she'd broken the ceremonial law. I don't know know what the punishment was for that. It's pretty serious, right? Was it death? Nothing at all. Really? She just had to give an offering. Okay. Yeah, but and, and everybody else too, right? That was made unclean. Right, but were the other people made unclean by her touching them? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, it was a social stigma, right? It still was a social stigma, right? Okay, yeah. So she. she 
she was terrified. She, it says she was terrified. She came and fell at his feet. So who, who knows all, I mean, being a woman, touching a man, I mean, there's all kinds of social stuff going on, right? What do you think, Alan? You're thinking hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, why was she so afraid? Why was she so terrified? <laughs> no. Is there any, just 30-second soundbite. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm right on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 I think the man-woman thing, the, the unclean thing, I, I think it was just, just a number. It, why do we get freaked out when all of a sudden we get called out when we're trying to be anonymous? I mean, it's just the social thing in itself is hard, right? So you add these factors, these layers, and she's, she's, uh, Jesus didn't have to do this. Why did he risk that? Why? And he turns to her and he says, daughter, daughter. I just find that so moving. Daughter, right? And he didn't have to stop, but see, God isn't just about results and success and statistics. He's, he wants to engage you and I. He's about relationship. He's about intimacy. And he refused to let her just come and get her little fix and her little injection and her little success. He refused to be the pop machine, the candy machine, the healing machine. the preaching machine, the pastor machine, or whatever it is. I refuse to be that. He refused to be that. He refused to be that. He engaged her. And so he did what the Father was doing. So the good news is, is, is that God, God engaged this woman in, in one way, the woman at the well in another way, Zacchaeus in another way. So the good news is fully orbed. It's, it's God encountering us. It's having these power encounters, these, these encounters with God's presence where we hear the good news in different ways. When we hear a story of how God has healed, like Dave, he shouldn't even be alive anymore. Oh. All right. Most powerful corpse I ever met. You know, I remember a couple years ago, you're supposed to be dead in a year, right? So, huh? And I'm still kicking. Still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, sometimes we don't stop to, go, to realize. We prayed for him, right? God answers. God's heard. It's just that it's not as impressive and spectacular as we want in our culture and society, because Jesus still does it the same way he did way back then. He doesn't put on a show. In fact, he runs away from that. He still does. Because he wants to engage us. So our mission is twofold. Our mission is shaped by the gospel. It's shaped, we are shaped as a church by the good news. See, some of you won't understand what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I think it needs to be said. Is our ecclesiology is, is often comes first before our mission. And the fact of the matter is, our mission comes first and shapes our ecclesiology. What that means is how we do church is shaped by our mission. But often we get it backwards. 
Oh, we're a church. We become this comfortable little group. Oh, let's go do a mission. And we, we wonder why it doesn't work. We're trying to put new wine in old wineskins. And, and, and we need to be shaped by this good news. And let it shape who we are and, and how we do church. And there's some pretty profound implications of that. So, our mission is twofold. That aspect of the, first of all, evangelism. Evangelism, again, in, in the Greek, it's the same word as the good news. Yawangalon. Uh, when it, ta- it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's literally the Yawangalon. It's that aspect of the church's mission which endeavors to offer every person the opportunity to encounter and embrace the good news of Jesus. Why do we exist as a church? This is it. If this were done, God would say, well, I've created you to worship me, but let's get rid of the sin and the suffering and all the pain so you don't have any obstacles to this. Why are we still here? It's because of this. We exist to give every possible person we can the opportunity to encounter and embrace the good news of Jesus. You all right with that? Any pushback? You okay? Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Secondly, discipleship. It's that aspect of the church's mission which helps people mature, develop, and thrive as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our goal is not converts, but disciples. We're not just trying to get a sinner's prayer. We're not just trying to get, you know, somebody to, oh, you know, I I don't want to embarrass anybody. Just come forward, you know, eyes closed, heads bowed. You know, uh, we don't want to embarrass you, but, you know, don't you, please, won't you, don't you want to come to Jesus, please? You know, Jesus didn't do that, did he? He said, oh, you want want to follow me? Uh, Well, listen, the wildlife have better accommodations than I do. So you better go away and think about this for a while. Right? Why did he do that? Do we, you know, when we're going out witnessing, do we come home and say, hey, I sent three people away today? <laughs> right? <laughs> you sent three people away while they weren't ready. You know, do we brag about that? <laughs> well, the point is, is if we, if we try to push people into making a decision and we soft sell it, and we don't show them the cost, then they wonder later why it didn't work, and they get mad and quit. Jesus talks about not counting the cost. You build a tower, and halfway through, you leave it undone. And how many half-baked kingdom projects are all over the world today? Because we don't... It's, it's, not, about, it's not just a decision. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a lifetime of following Jesus. Now, I believe there are markers. I believe baptism is a marker. Or if you were baptized as a baby... There's, there are markers by which you refer back and you go, yeah, I, I did that. And this is a symbol, symbolic act. This is co- confirmation or, I, or I'm joining a church fellowship. But there are markers that along the way. But it's a journey. It's a lifetime journey. Now these are actually two sides. Discipleship and evangelism are two sides of the same coin. And I put that in your bulletin so you can take it home and memorize. And next week there will be a test. Just kidding. These are actually two sides of the same coin. Two views of the same fully orbed process of helping people follow Jesus. Evangelism, good newsing, discipleship. It's all all part of it. 
It's all part of it. It's a lifetime journey, right, as wounded healers. Do you remember this? I showed you this a few weeks ago. What is this? It's a Celtic symbol of the Trinity, right? And, and we talked about how that there's three relational movements within the Trinity that God invites us to join Him in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If I can just use my laser here. Um, I won't point it at you, I promise. Um, so let's start, let's start here. Let's start at community. Let's say this is us. So let's say that we... We... Um, we go out in mission, right? That's, that's a relational movement. And then, and then as a result of that relational movement where people encounter God and like the penitent, they cry out, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Or they say, half my goods I'm going to give to the poor, like Zacchaeus. Or whatever the response to God in worship is at the God encounter. Or like Jacob, the Lord was here and I didn't know it. Right? So... So there's a movement in worship and then God calls us into community. Two commands. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then call back into mission. And there's this constant movement. Now it can go the other way too, in a sense. Out in mission, called into community, into worship. But the, the key of ecclesiology, that's a fancy word for how we do church, is that those three movements are existing in us as a congregation if we're going to be healthy. And often churches default to one of those. It's important to keep them all. So I just thought it might be good to um, show you how, how evangelism fits with our mission as a church. This circle here represents our parish. It represents everybody. Chili wagon people, people that live on the drive, uh, and people in proximity to you and I that we can good news to and our desire is to, is to be missional towards them. So that means evangelism, but it also includes social justice. You know, some people said, well, social justice is evangelism. Well, so, in a sense it is, but don't get them too confused. All right? We don't do social justice as some kind of trick to get people saved. All right? We do social justice because God said, love our neighbor. All right, So it's unconditional. That's why we can partner with people in the city that want nothing to do with Jesus on issues of social justice because we're, we're called to love our neighbor. Okay, So, so, so it's not some kind of, oh, we're, we're trying to sneak the gospel in. No, no, no. It's, just, it's, it's like patience. If, you, if God has called you to be patient, that's, that's an important part of your character. Or you're, if you're married, he's, he's called you to be a good husband or a good wife. He's called you to be a strong partner, or your father or mother called you to be a loving parent. Those are aspects of your discipleship, and evangelism is the same. Evangelism is there, social justice is there. It's The problem with the church is we've always pitted those against each other. Well, you know, we're not called to the social gospel, we're just called to preach the word and get people into heaven. And, and uh, or, or vice versa. There, there's a bit of an opposite swing these days, isn't there? Kind of like so don't, don't worry about preaching the gospel. Just do social justice. But if you do social justice and you don't do evangelism, you don't share the good news, you're not good news and you're not that ambassador that Dawson talked about last week, then there's a stunted area of your growth. You're stunted. You're, you're shutting down a part of, of God who wants to be revealed through you. All right? So it it's, um, doesn't mean you have to be Dawson. 
Doesn't mean you have to be me. You don't, I, I, mean, I had this guy, these guys in Calgary. Remember Don Delaney? I would go out with Don Delaney. This guy got saved in our youth group. He would go down, we'd go down every Friday night, we'd go witnessing. And I recognize there's two kinds of evangelism, by the way. There's, there's kind of where intentional, where you go out and you go for that purpose. And then there's what I call way of life evangelism. You know, and it's where it's just in your ongoing life, the, the grocery clerk or the gas station attendant or whatever. And, and it's not mutually exclusive again. Both are, both are important. There's a place for both. But we would go out every Friday night down to Stephen Avenue Mall, and we found this guy named Gordy Gibbard. <laughs> Actually, we did, didn't we? I think we did. That's where we found Gordy. But um, one day, he, I, he wanted me to go with him, and, and I was always kind of, hey, how you doing? And kind of subversive, you know, and start talking to someone. And, and I had this philosophy, like John Dawson said, that every conversation leads to Jesus, and often it did. Don goes up to people and say, hi, how are you? I'd like to talk to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'd go, oh, Don, Don, we're going to get beat up. And I'm serious. In five minutes, he was praying with somebody. It was unbelievable. He just had this amazing gift for doing that. And, uh, and so God uses different styles. So don't, you don't have to be somebody you're not. But understand, you're an ambassador, right? So we're called to good news to people. How are we doing for time? I'm going to shut her down. I just wanted to show you this little schemata. Uh, as a church, uh, we're called to uh, lead people into an encounter with God. So worship might be the penitent, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But the, the hopes are is that through, through our good newsing, whether it's social justice or, or evangelism or casting out a demon... Or healing the sick. Let's not forget we're the vineyard. And if we exclude this part of evangelism, we have a name that lives, but we're dead. Don't forget that one of our founders, John Wimber, wrote a book called Power Evangelism. So we can expect that Jesus is with us and he wants to show his power to people. So let's do the stuff. Let's take risks. You know, this happened in my university office. And, and it, was, it was, you know, I had to be discreet, and I had to be, I believe in being appropriate and politically correct to a, to a degree. Um, and, and all that. But I believe that Jesus was already at work in people. And, and you work with people every day. That is where you are going to be the most effective with. It's not some stranger in the street. You're going to be the most effective with people that watch you. You go, oh my God, oh no. Well, maybe, maybe the way that you witness, it's like Bruxy Cavey says, the first step in witnessing will be to repent <laughs> for the bad example of a Christian you are. That works, right? That's okay. That's okay. Just, just be real. But the most important thing is, is that people that watch you every day, that is where you are going to be the most effective. People that see you and that know you, Right? And, and uh, hopefully, as, as people encounter God, they'll be drawn into community. I hope there's a, a semblance of welcome in us as a church. And then we want to see people discipled. So we've got this little online resource right now that you can click on to, and you can find out what your spiritual gifts are. I think it's important that we help people find out what their spiritual gifts are. And as we find out what your gifts are, then we, 
We, uh, we provide training for you. We're talking about Alpha. There's a vineyardized Alpha that we'd like to bring in, maybe for the summer or the fall. And what's, what's beautiful about vineyardized Alpha is that you not only get the, dis, the evangelism part, but there's discipleship in that. It's a good foundation for your faith. And, and Kathleen and I have a discipleship program that we wrote that people get involved in spiritual disciplines and group accountability and they learn how to, how, the ways of God. It's kind of stole some stuff from YWAM and other people and just brought it into a local church situation. Uh, I think there's one or two original ideas in there as well. But, um, <laughs> and then there's service. As, as people are trained, then isn't it interesting at the core of our mission is service because the heart of God is a servant. Jesus came and He washed our feet. I was reading this morning that when the Master comes and finds His servants faithful, it says, it says that He will say, Ross, have a seat. I'm going to serve you dinner. That's what Jesus says. He's going to do for you, bud. He's going to give you big, fat, Pacific salmon. Okay, all right. Okay. So... So here's the thing, is, is that it doesn't stop there. Once you're serving, I, I hope this makes sense, but, but your serving involves these areas. You're still engaged in discipling others. I, I tell everybody in this church, okay, if we're going to be the most mobile, transient church that has ever existed in the history of the world, did you get that? If we're going to be the most mobile, transient church in the history of the world, then you cannot leave until you've reproduced yourself. <laughs> That's the rule. Okay? So Donna, if you ever go, I want ten intercessors, ten Donnas, ten Holy Ghost no fireballs. Pressure. No pressure. No. All right. I'll just leave Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's leaving us with God. Isn't that generous? Okay. Now, here's the thing. We're salt and we're light. This mission in, in social justice and evangelism. Now, here's the thing. Look at this. Oh, here we go again. As we continue to reach out. See, we're, we're drawing people back. And if you can think of that cycle, if you can think of these cycles, uh, and, and how are we doing this as a church? Think about it corporately. How are we doing this? Discipleship. How are we discipling our kids? How are we grounding them in this story? Um, does that make sense? Any questions? All right, let's do it then. What are we waiting for? All right? Simon's praying for me. All right. Now, here's, here's the thing. I ran out of time to preach on this a couple weeks ago, and guess what? I did it again. <laughs> so so I, I did give, want to give you one takeaway, and that is I, I mentioned the woman at the well. It's funny because I wasn't even sure if I was going to talk about her today, so it's kind of neat how that all dovetailed, but... I talked about how that she deber- de- Jesus deliberately went through Samaria so that he could meet the woman at the well and other Samaritans who were seeking. He then stayed with his disciples in Samaria for an extra few days. So in other words, he changed his plans. He was flexible. But he was also intentional at the very beginning. He, he deliberately ordered his life. Like when I was invited to Randy's memorial concert a couple weeks ago, uh, I felt like God say, go down a bit early. And when I got in, I was going to get in early. I couldn't get in early. They, they only let you in right at 8 o'clock. And so I was standing out there. I'd already gotten rid of all the tickets. 
that had been given. There's somebody donated a thousand bucks so we could give away tickets to people who couldn't afford and some of you took me up on that. That's great. We had a great time, didn't we? And I was on the guest of honor, so I didn't need a ticket. <laughs> Pray for me. Humility, those kind of things. Anyway, it was an incredible event. And as I was standing in front about half an hour early, there was these buskers out front. And in the next half hour, I had this incredible opportunity. Simon brought some extra tickets back. I was able to give them out to some of these guys. They were just blown away because it was about 40 bucks to get into the concert. And, and had some amazing conversations about just the impact that Randy's life had on them and it led right to Jesus again. It's just amazing. But if I hadn't have been listening, I'd have shown up, oh, how do I get in, you know, preoccupied again with yourself and, and, and what you're doing. And, and God's just saying, it's, it doesn't take a lot, but just being intentional about ordering your life. Like Dawson said, if you're invited to something, go. Go to parties. Go to Matthew parties. God wants to get us rubbing up against the lost. Let's mess it up a bit. We're salt. We're light, eh? Let's pray. So Jesus, we, we invite you to come and just overwhelm us, Lord, with the way that you, you engage with us, you love us, you're for us. Come, Lord. God, you're a God that wants to encounter the drive. These are, we live in a city and a community that's had, we're, we're 70% have had spiritual experiences. And we know, Lord, that many of them are, are, are not necessarily you, but there's such a hunger and such a thirst, Lord. So I pray that you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit and empower us for witness. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you empower us? Would you do what you said in Acts 1.8, that the Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power when that happens. And you will be witnesses. You will be. You won't have to try to be. It's just going to happen. If you're filled with the Spirit, if you're empowered by the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, you will be good newsing. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You might be like the lepers in the famine that said, listen, I'm a leper and I'm starving, but I just found a feast and I want to point you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Come, Lord. So let's just wait on the Lord. God's already spoken uh, today through Rose, through um, His Word. Does anybody else just have any specific words what the Father's doing right now just as we, we close this up and go to praying for one another? Anything specific? Any words? Simon, get up here. Yeah. Holy Spirit's been on you all day, bud. Hmm. Amen. Um, I guess I have a word. Just thinking of the word that Dawson shared about glass ceiling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Ever since. It's good. It's, I don't know why. I just I get emotional whenever I'm. I started back um, at a church um, that I was going to where they were very clenching of not making a way for, for youth. 
bring people in to Christ first. The church, we're not here to serve the church. We're here to serve Christ primarily and yeah. the church secondarily. But, um, yeah, I thought it was really encouraging, and that's my paraphrase. That's great. Thank you, Dawson. That's great. That's right on. And maybe just as we're praying for each other, maybe ask yourself that question, is where am I in, in this? And in, in, in what's the next step that Jesus is asking me to take? And, or maybe you're one of those who you're looking out and God is just saying, I want you to extend a welcome. Did you have something? Just really a, a request, and I want to just thank Rose particularly also. This last week, she's been negotiating for our children's ministry uh, floor hockey equipment. God's put it on my heart that we might be able to do something more significant, not just for our own kids. So when they come, there's, uh, we have floor hockey equipment for preschool as well as the older kids, and she's getting a really good deal for us. And I want to thank everybody. I don't know where this money came from, but we had about $600 that was released in the last little while, so we had enough money to be able to do something like this. But I've just, God's just put it on my heart. I think I've been quite myopic. Um, I would like to do more outreach. So I just want to thank Rose for doing that. I want to ask everybody here just to pray that somehow God would begin, uh, uh, you know, a new kind of, uh, I guess it's just a new kind of joy in our midst. Our kids can come. They would look forward to playing floor hockey before church, kids' church starts. And I'm just really, really praying that God is going to allow us, with, this, with the building getting fixed up, to actually have it more alive during the week, particularly like a floor hockey you know, thing that can happen on a Saturday because God's just sort of shut me down from working on Saturday. So I'm getting a little bit of energy there for that. So I just, I just feel like God is being, being, taking us on this journey where... You know, when we first arrived here, we looked around, and we still look around. We think, is this building safe to be in, you know? Like, would people actually want to come to this building? But, you know, the, the stewardship, people like Dean and Rose that have been putting into this building, and this next work B will be huge, right? And we, we are very grateful for this building because it's right in the heart of the city, it's right in the heart, commercial driving first, right in the heart, right where Chili Wagner is. It's right in the heart. People can get here very easily. And instead of moaning about let's have a big building somewhere else, we can see this building transformed. We can see people. When we first arrived here years and years ago, 20 years ago, they had girl guides and brownies downstairs. Somebody was doing something there. So besides Chili Wagon, I just really believe God is saying, come on, this building is here waiting for us to see it beautified and to see it transformed. So I guess in a way, I just feel like I want to exhort you, but I want to thank you, and I want to just say I believe that all the parts, the stewardship part is coming together with great teaching, and now let's just bless the evangelism. Let's bless the outreach. All right. Thank you. Well, let's, let's just open our hearts um, and turn you loose to get your kids in a few minutes here. So, but just, 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 just take a minute um, and ask God to fill us afresh. Uh, it, says in, it says in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine or controlled. It's, it's not that wine is bad in itself, but don't let wine control you, but rather be controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit. And let it be a continual infilling. Let it be a continual. 
So uh, I'd like us just to stand and, and just say yes to God as, as, as we ask Him to just fill us again. Lord, would you just come? Would you just come, Father, and, and just show us where we are. Show us what our next step is. Show us what we're reaching for. Paul said, I, I press towards the mark. Just show us, Lord, you, you don't overwhelm us with a, a massive goal that we can't comprehend right now. Lord, you, you just show us the next step. And Lord, I want to see little vineyard congregations all over the city of Vancouver. I see, Lord, within 10 years, Lord, just numbers of churches that have been planted out from our congregation that are meeting in neighborhoods, community halls, schools, pubs, Lord, clubs. Um, I see that happening. But right now, Lord, that feels overwhelming. Where are we going to get the worship teams, the kids workers? Where are we going to get the leaders? God, you're just saying, what's the next step? And would you, in each one of us, show us what that next step is, Lord? And, and cause, call us to reach for that. The ones and the twos, Lord. So just come. Just fill us right now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked into the...